Hey everyone, welcome back to the Eminem Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And today we are going to be talking about uh, everything that's been going on in the NHL. Um, we took a week off last week, uh, some personal stuff came up, and uh, we just um, didn't have time to record. But there's been some news and stuff that we want to talk about. And we figure it's a good week to just kind of look at some trends around the NHL. And um, I think the one place we got to start here is, uh, unfortunately some gross news is really the only way I can put it. And it's the uh, entire Mitchell Miller saga that happened this past week. Um, if anyone missed it, uh, Mitchell Miller was the Arizona Coyotes draft pick from 2020 that uh, immediately when he was drafted, it came out that he had spent years um, bullying a disabled kid in school, like horrific, horrific stuff. Committing hate crimes. Literally. Yes. Uh, yeah. Minority. Yeah. yeah I'm an, Yes, as well. Um, just the absolutely disgusting stuff. Uh, the Coyotes, I want to say within a few weeks, cut ties with him completely. Uh, UND cut ties with him. Um, and we hadn't really heard too much of him since. Uh, he played last year in, was it the US NDP League? I believe so. And he won Player of the Year. Or sorry, the, is... the US, yeah, USHL. Yeah. Uh, and he, yes, he won Player of the Year, which is gross. Um, and then this year, the, uh, the other day, just out of nowhere, the Boston Bruins announced, uh, yeah, we've signed him to a contract and those, that contract included full signing bonus, uh, full paid AHL salary and everything like that. Um, this did not, did not go over well, obviously, and rightfully so, um, immediately people just pushing, a disaster. <laughs> oh, horrible from, from top to bottom. And, you know, there's... It, it doesn't need to be said that this guy... So, okay, let's start with this, I guess. Because, obviously, you're going to get the people going, well, do people not deserve a second chance? And, I, again, I think anyone listening to this podcast probably knows where we stand on it. Of A, playing in the NHL is not a right. It's a privilege. It's crazy how often people forget that. I see it in the NFL all the time, too. I'm sure any sport you follow, you're bound to see it. But, God, that infuriates me. Yeah, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, yes, I do believe... If people have really committed to trying to make a change and showing they understand why it was wrong, that's one thing. The family of the kid that he has abused came out this week and said he still has not given an acceptable apology. Yeah, and also, like, I don't want to make excuses because, like, a lot of this stuff's bad, too. But when you see somebody with, like, old tweets or whatever, like, those are dumb and people to need to learn like why they're dumb obviously but like that is so much not even on the same scale as literally committing repetitive hate crimes towards a disabled kid in your class like that's not a normal thing that 13 year olds do the same way like some of this is saying some like stupid offensive stuff is yeah and it's not like obviously neither of them are okay but yeah it's on a way 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 worse yeah level, right? one like... of them's just one of them actually might be unbelievable One's like horrific. Like, I mean, yeah. again, I don't want to downplay the other, but this is like genuinely horrific. Like, and not only that, so the Boston Bruins and his player agent uh, both used, both cited the community work that he's done. And they named a couple of like charity or foundations that he's worked with. What they failed to leave out was that the hours he put into all of those foundations were court mandated and he did the bare minimum with them <laughs> yeah. to avoid a further sentence through court. Yeah, like 
Like that's not that that's not enough. Yeah, and he he never reached out to apologize if I remember correctly. Like by all accounts, he he didn't learn a goddamn thing. It doesn't seem that way. And then you know I saw more stuff too, and I don't even want to get too deep into this because I don't know. Like obviously it's a little bit of a dangerous game playing. I saw this on Twitter, but there was a bunch of people bringing up that like what looked like his parents' Twitter accounts, like liking stuff saying that the. The stories were actually exaggerated, calling the guy he bullied disabled and stuff like that. And just like, <laughs> he's not actually that disabled with something like that. So I was like, Jesus, if you're ever saying that, you know, you're in the wrong. Exactly. Like, so it's just a horrendous situation. The fact that the Boston Bruins thought they could sl- sl- slip one by is just disgusting. Uh, and I will say, and I don't want to. I think Twitter's been pretty good with this, to be honest. But, you know, I've seen it pointed out a couple times. The Boston Bruins players came straight out and said, no, we're not having this. I have this to was, imagine this was not a consensus decision by the Bruins organization. There was reports that came out, even when the signing happened, that leadership of the team, so, like, that's Bergeron, McAvoy, Marchand, right? Like, the yeah. big guys. When asked about, or, like, apparently the team did their work, quote unquote, and asked the guys what they thought about it. And the general reaction was, why would we do that? Because they're like 10 and 1, too. It's like, there's just, there's just no need to do any of it. Like, I get their prospects cool, cool, cool sucks, but like, Mitchell Miller's probably not even going to be that good of a prospect either. Like, if not that if he wasn't, players, it's okay. If you've got hockey players pushing back, on why you shouldn't do something or questioning someone's character publicly like that, you are just so past screwed because when is the last time a hockey player said anything? Connor McDavid got asked about the Hockey Canada stuff this summer. It was just like, yeah, it's a privilege to play for them. I, I hope no one's seriously hurt. Like, Yeah, that's like uh, I sent this to you, I think. I sent it to somebody today where I was scrolling TikTok and uh, a spinning chicklets. Yes. Uh, a clip showed up and it was those guys like dunking on the Bruins. It's like, if you've screwed up so badly that the Chicklets guys are correctly clowning on you for social issues, like how yeah. is that even possible? Barstool is making fun of you for social issues. It's like, yeah. Jesus. And they're Where, right. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a, uh, brutal situation it's good you know so they've they've since stepped away from him i don't know if that means his contract's going to be terminated or what um uh sweeney came out and talked to the media the other day um uh their general manager don sweeney uh, i believe it was don sweeney anyways um it was i don't know did you hear any of the quotes from that press press conference i didn't to be honest it was uh it was bad. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to pull some exact. Actually, up. I saw but, the one that was like, or no, that was a Friedman one where Friedman was kind of just like openly shilling for them. Yeah. So that's another thing is that there are definitely some media members, and you know, Elliot Friedman is absolutely one. I haven't seen an apology since, but there's some people that need to come out and explain what they were saying because when the signing happened, Friedman came out and was like, well. Yeah, no, like the Bruins put their work in. They really did their work. The Bruins didn't even talk to the victim's family. Like They probably couldn't have screwed it up worse if they tried. Literally. It sounds like the only work they did was, and I think it was Down Goes Brown who tweeted this out, 
uh, sorry, it's Cam Neely who did the press conference, by the way. Um, they're president of hockey ops. And, you know, they, I think it was now goes Brown that tweeted it. And it was basically just like, it's very obvious that um, the quote unquote work the Boston Bruins did was ask Mitchell Miller for his side of the story, accepted what he had to say without putting any more look into it. And then said, that's good enough. Let's hope we don't get any uh, backlash. Yeah. Here it is. It, it now seems pretty clear that the Bruins evaluation period, quote unquote, for the Mitchell Miller signing consisted entirely of asking him for his side of the story, accepting it completely, assuming everyone else would too, and then bailing as soon as it became clear that wasn't the case. Just. For the record, here's the Arizona Republic piece from 2020 that quotes the victim describing racist abuse that went on for years. The Bruins say they thought it was an isolated incident. Incident. Guess their investigators forgot to Google the main news article that the broke that broke the entire story. Yeah, like just to take five minutes on Google. Yeah, like it's just <sighs> there's there's no words really. There's just no words. But um, sorry, I'm trying to go back to the press conference to find some of these quotes. But basically, it was just like. <laughs> It was bad. It was just like, what, like people asked, why didn't you reach out to the family? And so he's like, what went wrong? He's like, well, the fact that we didn't reach out to the family is pretty bad. And they're like, yeah, why didn't you? And he's like, I don't know. I have to figure that out. It's like, you you were the one overseeing this in theory. Yeah, like how do you let that slip by you? No, and like, this is a decision that there's no way you make that signing without like everyone's approval, right? I assume like ownership has to sign off on stuff like that. You would think so. Or at least, like, I don't know what the next level below is, like the CEO or like, you know what I like? Really high up people have to be involved in this decision in the way that your 48th contract slot, they usually probably aren't. Yeah. Like, I just don't have a lot to say about it. Yeah. It's just horrible. It, it's just brutal. Uh, horrible look on the Bruins front office. Um, a rare good look for the Bruins player or like just NHL players actually speaking out. Like Felino had some pretty damning quotes. Marshawn and Bergeron both, you know, said, like talked against it. Maybe not as an aggressive way, but like, you know, good for them for actually saying something because they're openly other, against it. Literally like every other time we've seen this, it would just be a no comment or yeah, I don't know. That's not my decision. I leave that out of the team. Yeah. So. Which was, it was good to see. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, just a gross situation. Uh, again, it's clear the play the person has a lot more growing and changing slash any changing to do to accept what he was doing was wrong and realize why it's wrong before we should ever consider. And the other part of this, I don't want to keep going too hard. Gary Batman came out and he's like, yeah, he's not even authorized to play in the NHL, maybe not the AHL. And we're not sure he'll ever be authorized. Like we had like that's saying something how did the Bruins not even go through the league for this <laughs> yeah like I said like, it seems like literally everything that could have possibly went wrong in this process did yeah exactly so um there's no real easy transition here you want to get some breaking news some breaking news the Ottawa Senators are retiring Chris Neal's number 25. Oh my god. <laughs> it is, I guess, just announced during the I have the game on mute here. And I saw them talking about Chris Neal. I am just seeing on Twitter. 
that they are retiring his jersey. <laughs> I don't know about this much about sense culture, but God, that feels unnecessary. This is sad. This is peak. We haven't had very many good players, and most yeah. of the ones we do haven't stuck around long enough to retire them. But this is sad. This is even so. Their three numbers are now. Can you name the three numbers they're going to have retired now? Uh, Alfredson, I assume. Mm-hmm. I guess there's technically four. And I'll give you the one. It's Frank Finnegan, who played in the early 1900s for them. Would have never got that. Is Chris Phillips one of them? Chris Phillips is the other one. And then okay. now it's Chris Neal. So Chris yeah. Phillips was already... I don't think Chris Phillips' number should have been retired. Yeah, that's pushing it, but at least he... At least he was, he was at least good. a hair defenseman for like a, most of a decade. Like, yeah. Still, but He's like both, the Hall of Very Good equivalent of retired numbers, if that makes sense. The Ring of Honor. They have a Ring of Honor for this team. Yeah. So, like, that's what both Chris Neal and Chris Phillips should be. I, I just, I don't know. This is strange to me. Uh, I mean, good, good for Chris Neal. Like, I, the, the problem, I'm debating already just trying to figure out what I want to tweet here because, like, it's cool for Chris Neal. I'm saying, like, I feel the same way I feel about Chris Phillips. It's, it's really cool for him. And it's a player that, you know, I loved watching growing up. It's just like if any other team, like if Nashville retired some fourth liner that played there for 12 years, I would be laughing my ass off. Oh, 100%. So I can't not do the same when it's Ottawa. He didn't even hit 10 goals in a season once. No, no. The last time he hit fighter, he hit 10 goals in a season once in his entire career and it was in his rookie year in the whl apparently oh yeah like he, he was a pure fighter and oh know, that's chris fans, <laughs> oh uh, fans absolutely love him he's one of the guys who have stayed with the organization um all the way through so but like again he's just a ring of honor guy they have a ring of honor yeah like just, that's that's so unnecessary it very much is, so. That would be, I, like, if the Leafs retired Darcy Tucker, they would get made fun of a ton, and they would deserve it, but that is not nearly as bad as Chris Neal. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> okay, how many how many seasons above replacement level do you think Chris Neal had? Let's check this. Uh, he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten in the analytics era. What do you think? How many well, do you last think of were <laughs> He was like horrid his last couple of years from an analytical perspective. I mean, I can't imagine he was ever great analytically, yeah. though. Above replacement, I'd say like three. Uh, technically, if you count one season where he barely played, it was four. <laughs> okay. For a career standing points above replacement of negative one. Yeah, that feels about right. And like people are going to argue like his most productive years were when fighting was at its most in like 98 to before, basically right before the cutoff of analytics when yeah. we could start tracking the stuff. Yeah, 30 point and a 28 point season, right? Before. Yeah, which is fine. But again, like the Ottawa Centers are retiring a player who had who capped out at a 30 point season. A singular 30 point season. He had. He was Four. a 15-point player. Yeah, he had five 10-goal seasons. I don't even think, like, 
six or seven 20 goal seasons should be probably be enough for unless like really one I mean, of those goals were game Stanley Cup game winners. Like yeah, exactly. Like oh that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I I'm just <laughs> genuinely <laughs> I, I'm just genuinely shocked. I don't know. The saddest part is I'm not that shocked. Um, yeah. I, I, well, after the Phillips <laughs> one, I really, you know, it makes sense. If Phillips wasn't retired, I would be completely shocked. But yeah, Chris Phillips also had a negative career war. I just looked up. <laughs> That also doesn't surprise me because, again, he was a guy who started in 98 and it was like one by the end of his career. It's like, yeah, this dude shouldn't be playing. Yeah. And he seems like the kind of guy that I'm sure even if we had numbers for his peak, like his style of play, those defenders have aged out very quickly. And everybody will say, oh, well, it was a different game. If they're not good right now, I'm willing to bet you it was probably that they still weren't great then. And the puck movers were actually the good ones all along. Yeah, for sure. I yeah, like I think the, maybe the only argument is that you could get away with more stuff just in terms of clutching and grabbing back then. Yes. Oh, there's definitely like I'm sure they were more effective, but it's not yeah. like people like a bad no, like type the, of defenseman was magically good back then. Yeah, there's a reason skilled players were still paid the most. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some interesting Ottawa Senators news though. Their team is up for sale. Which is cool, I think. Yeah, I can't say it's too surprising to me. Um, obviously, Malnick passed away last year. His daughters slash the estate had been running the team since. Um, it sounds like Malnick left a pretty big estate for them, but also it's two daughters in their 20s. If I could run the Ottawa Senators or sell it for a billion dollars, uh, probably not a billion, but like it sounds like the selling price will probably be upwards of like $800 million. I could split 400 mil with uh, my sister and take 400 for myself in my mid-20s. I would probably do that. Yeah, that would be my first course of action. And I love hockey in a way that they may or may not. So I do yeah. not play them at all. Uh, I don't either. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, the big thing that has taken up the news is Ryan Reynolds has said that he wants to buy the Sens. Um, That'd be it epic. Would, it would be awesome. Uh, he was on The Tonight Show. He's actually in Ottawa right now. They just showed him watching the game up in a press box, which is pretty cool. Um, it's very clearly he would be a very minority owner. He, I think he had said on The Tonight Show that he'd be, need a partner with very deep pockets. So basically he would just be like the face of the owner, but obviously like, a I don't know, 5 10%, whatever, he ends up buying into it. Um, but that would still be cool. I, I really do. I think, I can't remember who pointed out, but someone, I was listening to a podcast and you know, they, they made the point that like auto out of all teams would be really good. I think to have a public owner that like is a public owner in terms of a celebrity, not a public owner, but you know who he is. Cause it's Eugene Melnick spouting his mouth off or whatever. So but, like just for the good PR. and like Exactly. And like the marketing team that comes with Ryan Reynolds, like uh, I don't like he, him and I forget who else it was, bought a, uh, a football club. It was like one of England's oldest football club. And they're like, Div four or something now called Wrexham FC, and they're doing a big Netflix documentary, and apparently it's like a, a smash hit. Uh, or maybe I can't remember which streaming service is on, but it's a documentary. Apparently, it's like a big success, just about like the team's day to day life, right? Like, and it's a bunch of guys that are like grinding it out to try and stay playing professional soccer. It's not like this massive like Premier League team or anything like that. That's pretty cool, actually. 
Mm-hmm. So like even just the idea of marketing and stuff that comes with him and his team would be awesome. But I think there's a long, long way to go before any sale is made. Um, the senators came out and said that a sale, they're committed to a sale that keeps the Ottawa in the senators in Ottawa. So this would not be a case. And obviously so of relocation or anything like that. And again, we've been over this multiple times. If some of the teams in the Southern States haven't relocated yet, they're not relocating a Canadian team. Put that to bed. Yeah. It's just not happening. No. So um, yeah. And the other thing I think to say about it is that a sale, it'll be interesting to see what uh, happens with a sale. Because I think any sale definitely is going to be directly tied to the new arena that they're starting to talk about again down on the Red and Flat. So um, it would definitely be a case of, I would assume whoever you know wants to buy the team would also either want to have a massive part in building that arena or build it themselves or you know pay for own it themselves to own both the team and the arena. That makes sense. Yeah. So be something to keep an eye on. But um, yeah, two pieces of sense, new one. I am. I'm genuinely like floored by this Chris Neal stuff. I, I can't believe that's, it. That's so good, buddy. Oh man. Um, okay, <laughs> let's let's move on to something else then. Um, do you want to go Devils or Leafs first? Let's go to the Devils. Let's let's okay. be happy. All right. I mean, I'm happy talking about the Leafs. I don't know, I don't know about you. Uh, <laughs> speak Devils, for yourself. The Devils are an absolute wagon, dude. As someone who has not taken a New Jersey Devils hat off since I was probably eight years old, what a time to be alive. <laughs> and they're doing all this, like, despite 800 goaltending. They yeah, are... They're first in the Metro. Oh, yeah. They're, like, almost first in the league, I want to say. They are 9-3-0 for 18 points, which is good for first in the Metro. They're behind the Bruins in the East, so they're second overall in the East. Uh, and 19 points puts them only behind the Golden Knights in the West. So they are third right now in the league. Um, what's encouraging for the team is that they are doing this, again, as I mentioned, with a save percentage of a five on five save percentage of 895.7. Uh, so not even 900. That is fifth worst in the league. They have a PDO of 0. 0.979. Um, and even more encouraging, their underlying numbers are absolutely insane. They currently sit second in Corsi 4 at 60%, uh, and they sit first in expected goals for at 64%. And we're, you know, we're, we're 12 games in now, so it's like, obviously it's not going to stay that high, but we're getting to the point where it's like, you can start to make some realistic um, takeaways from what these numbers mean, and the numbers are telling you the New Jersey Devils are a good team this year. Yep, like uh, I mentioned this usually. Pretty consistently early on in the year when we're doing this. Corsi's predictiveness peaks at at 20 games in. And uh, I'll bet you they'll still have a 60% Corsi at that point. Or like a 58 or whatever. Yeah, there's no way they're dropping like below fifth in the league. Like, or top five, right? So uh, they've been just absolutely amazing. They, they just has announced that they're losing Andre Pilat for 10 to 12 weeks. Uh, I believe Mackenzie Blackwood is out as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in the goaltending front. But as I said, they're just winning and it doesn't matter. Like Blackwood has been awful this year and it it just has not mattered. Yeah, because they're scoring their way out of problems. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, what's funny is I I think like if if I told you that 12 games in the year, the Devils would be nine and three third in the league, you'd probably assume like Jack Hughes would be like 20 points in 12 games. Yeah, just destroying, right? It's not that yeah. he hasn't been or a bad PDO by any means. Exactly. He hasn't been bad by any means, but he's four goals, eight assists in 12 games. You know, like, 
for a league where you know scoring is always up early in the year, point per game is obviously it's impressive, but it's not even superstar impressive like we thought it might be. Yeah, it's not like it's one dude carrying them. And if no. it is one dude, it's uh, it's Jesper Brass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a whole team effort. And uh, Nico Hischer actually has 12 points in 11 games. He is finally finding his role. Um, you know, like his line has been absolutely amazing. It's been Brad Hitchcock and Tatar, I believe. And shocker, signing Thomas Tatar after he was a first line, a great first line forward in uh, Montreal for four years or whatever. Looks not great for one year, and it's back to looking amazing again. Yeah, he wasn't actually a pumpkin. Who could have seen this coming? Yeah, no kidding. So, um, but yeah, the, the whole team just looks really good. And, and we kind of talked about it, I thought, at the beginning of the year, where it's like, yeah, they, they have some sneaky depth as well uh, up front. Um, and, and just adding more and more NHL players every year has seemed to just, you know, fill out the roster appropriately, which is always nice to see. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's, it's cool. I, and it's nice to see, like, I think Rat's a really fun player to watch. It's safe to see him doing well. Dougie Hamilton looks back. Like, there's a lot to like there. John Marino has been a massive part for this team. Yeah, I think they had – he has some of the better numbers in, like, the entire NHL. Oh, yeah, and he's been asked to, like, take the best players. And he's, like – he shut down, I think it was the McDavid line, and then they put him on the, the Flames top line the next night. I think he, he was playing top minutes against, like, McKinnon as well and just kind of shutting them down. Like, he yeah. has been just absolutely ruthlessly effective for this team. The uh, the Hamilton pair has the worst results in the team, and it's still, like, some of the best results in the league for a defensive pair. Yeah, exactly. And with the John and Marino pair being first. Yeah, exactly. So, it's just, um, it's been awesome to see. You know, it, it's, uh, I really, I, I've liked this, the, the shape that the Devils have been taking for a couple of years now. And if they can put this all together, especially because, like, Alexander Holtz hasn't even, like, really broken out yet either like he is i think one point in four games if you can find something more out of him later this year or whatever too you're you're, you're flying yeah if you get some dive you can get like 20 goals and then running the second power play to him or something like that yeah and oh yeah they casually had the second overall pick last year who's not in this roster i always forget about some player on the devils i Forgot about Mercier all of last year, and now I keep forgetting about Nemec. It is still coming. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it is a good time to be a Devils fan, that's for sure. Uh, it's um, yeah, like they, they've. I don't know too much about their prospect pool anymore, I, but I am pretty sure it's still top half of the league or so. Losing a lot long term sucks. He was uh, really effective as well in terms of being an NHL body that just helped bump other guys down the line. But um, it'll be interesting to see. And, and he's out like a while, like four months, three, four months, I think. So it'll yeah, be he's interesting on IR and everything. Yes. Yeah. So that sucks, but. Yeah, uh, but they're, they're amazing. And it's, it looks fully sustainable. And especially the goaltending snaps back even close to passable. Man, like at the very least, I think they've already put themselves in a position where it's like you got to play under 500 hockey not to be a playoff team now. Yeah, especially because their division isn't great. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm really excited to keep on watching them and see what uh, happens as the year progresses. But it was definitely something we wanted to bring up that they have been just amazing this year. Yeah, and this is going to be the classic thing where like 
nobody appreciates this is this is the time to call Jesper Brad overrated. I'm sure a year <laughs> from now he's going to start leading the league in most underrated player uh category when maybe it was it's probably most true last year, but it still seems to be true thus far. Yeah, absolutely. Um all right, let's go to Toronto then. Oh god. I mean the narrative of this it's funny how much it can change over a week, right? Like literally if we recorded three days ago, it would have been different. Literally, everyone was calling for heads. Like people were like, oh, should Keith be fired? Should Dubis be fired? Like well, the best is it's every time something bad happens, it's like it doesn't matter if they go beat Boston and whoever, they should still be fired. And now they beat Boston and whoever, and everybody's perfectly calm. Yeah, and it's funny, like, again, when um, Dan Goes Brown was on our podcast a couple weeks ago, he said, this Leafs team, they love to play down to the comp, or, you know, when things are going well, they pat themselves on the back, and then they get their tail slapped, and then, but it's when they actually face adversity, they come out and play the best they can, and what better example of that than you've lost to a couple brutal teams in a row, which, like, let's be honest, there needs to be a little bit of concern there, just in terms of, like, how many bad teams they lost to. Um, and, and it doesn't even need to be concerned for the regular season necessarily, but more you're losing these teams now. What does that say about a team that like wants to grind it out come playoff time if you can't even grind out a win against the Anaheim Ducks, right? But they're coming off a horrid road trip where they go 0 for 4 or 0 2 and 2, but they lose to the Sharks, they lose to the Ducks. You know, the Kings were struggling this year. Um, they've already lost to the Coyotes the week before, and obviously the Canadians too. Their goalie goes down in the first period of the Bruins game. Here comes Eric Shelgren, who's looked absolutely horrible this year. Um, and this is after beating Fly. They beat a Flyers team 5-2 pretty good. Um, but again, like there's just they beat the Flyers. They're playing the Bruins, who have been absolutely red hot this year. Goalie goes down in the first period or after the first period. There's so much that, you know, you've got a team kind of reeling. You're not sure how they're going to respond. They're playing a good team in Boston. Goalie goes down. You're now on your fourth string goalie. Their goaltending looks so bad. Samsonov looks so good, too. They just shut it down, though. They just absolutely shut it yep. down and played this defensive game. You then go play a back-to-back 22 hours later against arguably the next best team in the division, maybe even like up there in the league in the Carolina Hurricanes. And I won't say they dominated that game by any means, but they did exactly what they need to do and beat them 3-1. Yeah, they got the win. It's just like... This team is so hilarious that it's like, oh yeah, no, like when they're playing, you know, when they face some adversity, they uh, they're fine. But you know, as soon as things are going well, they pat themselves on the back and just melt down again. It's it's hilarious. But um, yeah, like the, the goaltending. So Samson goes down. He's now week to week. Matt Murray suddenly got bumped up from eh, he's a while away to hey, he can play this Saturday. We'll see. Um, they <laughs> that's how we have no other option. Please hurry that, the hell up. That's how we just signed Keith Petrozelli to an NHL contract. Yeah. Please get back here as soon as you can. Um, and if people are wondering who Petrozelli is, he's a 23 year old who was six and zero with the Marlies this year. Went undrafted and got signed after college. Or sorry, no, he didn't go undrafted. He, he got drafted by Detroit in the third round, uh, 2017. But I believe he went unsigned after. Uh, after college but um yes. i'm gonna be honest i didn't know who he was until he got signed no, i had no idea either but he's six and oh with the leafs this year or Marley's this year 922 save percentage uh he had a 927 in the echl last year uh like so that tells you this this guy's been on a journey but that is their current backup right now um the other big piece of news i think with the, the leafs is obviously the jake muzzin situation where um it 
Sounds like there's a possibility he never plays again. Yes, that Marner quote. And for those who don't know, basically, Muzzin got hurt. They put him on LTIR. And then they asked Marner about it. And he started saying, like, I hope he's healthy for, like, the sake of his future with his kids. And, like, yeah, and completely so unprompted, basically. Yeah. And so apparently he's seen a couple specialists in, like, California and stuff. And a couple of them have worried about, you know, like, what if another hit God for, or like something bad happens because he's in multiple head and neck injuries. Now what a next hit that hurts him like that would do to him. So I think, it, you know, it's, it's just a scary situation and it puts the team and player in a bad position. Cause you know, Jake Muzzin's probably dying to get back and play, but you know, the team, the team can't put him out there if he's an injury risk like that. No, absolutely not. So um, you know, obviously from an on-paper perspective, then you also have a guy who Jake Muzzin hasn't been Jake Muzzin for a better part of a year now, but that's a guy you were expecting, or the team was expecting at least, to be, you know, a shutdown defenseman, hard to play against, who makes 5.6 against the cap. If he's not back, you have that money to play with, but who's available for that, you know? Yeah, that's a very good question. Hopefully Rasmus Sandin. Well, and, and so that's the thing is, it sounds like Tim uh, Lilligren's back now, so they're hoping that he can step up as well. And I know some people kind of roll their eyes at that, but I, I do think it's a legitimate hope that Sandine and Lilligren, like you drafted these guys in the middle of the first round and have been confident about them every step of the way. At some point, they need to step up and be actual NHLers. If they're good, the decor is amazing still. That's a, that's a decent if because it is two if statements combined together, but like, I think yeah, they're exactly. as good as bets as anyone. They're first-round pedigree guys who crushed it with the Marlies and had amazing numbers last year. Like, I'm not – like, if you're saying they're bad bets, you're only doing it with the benefit of hindsight. You literally cannot get better bets in the league other than people who have actually done it. Yeah, like, obviously, sense. there's, like, the Simon Nemics, but even that, like, yeah. for this year is – This year would be tough, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's – and honestly, you almost only need one of them to be, like, really good. Because, like, yeah. if Lily Grin is exactly what he was last year and plays on a third pair with Mark Giordano, you're laughing because they yeah. were the best third pair in the league last year. Or if Lily Grin is what he is last year, or like, 80% of that, but on a second pair, most of your problems are solved. Yeah, or Rasmus – Lily Grin and Giordano are your good third pair – if Rasmus Sandin gets good enough where he's carrying someone, which I still think they probably need another right-hand defenseman, though, because he can't be carrying Justin Hall around. Yeah, I, I mean, it. maybe he can. Maybe he can, but, like... I mean, Brody's been... Brody and Brody, been well, TJ Brody's good. the one guy I wouldn't be worried about on that decor. I think he's the yeah. best defenseman right now. Him and Hall have, like, ridiculous numbers, and... I'm a bit of a Justin Hall apologist. I think he's average, which on Leafs Twitter means I think he's amazing relative to most people. But like, the Brody's the one that gets all the credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so yeah, you know, TG Brody's going to be able to play well with whatever partner he has, and then you know, Giordano's going to be able to play with whatever partner he has on the third pair. It's just about finding those two guys for the second pair, which again, a lot easier said than done. Yeah. But they have, like we said, they have as good as bets as you could realistically ask for, other than proven top four guys. Exactly. Um, and then up front, like John Tavares is turning back the clock, dude. It's so good to see, especially because like 
he had the horrible injury and then looked washed. So, like, it was so easy to see how you could be like, yeah, he's probably just done. I know his point total stayed good, but everyone who posts on Twitter that he scored a bunch of points last year, so therefore he was good as lying to themselves. Yeah, exactly. He was not an $11 million player last year. He is playing like an $11 million player this year right now. Yeah, he's been legit. He's been their best forward. Maybe Nylander has been better. Most consistent forward for sure. He's been better than Matthews. Yeah, and like Matthews is heating up again. He's got like four goals his last three games, something like that. But Oh, yeah, and I'm sure it'll take all of three more games and Matthews is beating back first on the team and everything. But up to this point, he hasn't. Yeah, no, he was one of the only guys who was really going consistently. Yeah, uh, which is fantastic to see. Yeah. His uh, REPM numbers aren't actually as good as I thought, but it's a very, very early in the season to be judging too aggressively on REPM. Yeah, it could be just like one weird split. Like maybe Nick Robertson has like way better numbers on like random showings on a fourth line or something can like really fuck with those at this point in the season. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, that's all I have on the lease, really. And it's just more, you know, it's it's hilarious watching people go from everyone's got to be fired to again, they they win two games and then suddenly we're not even talking about this. Like it's it's just not an issue. But I, I will say I think if there's one thing the start of the season did, it, I'm not worried about this team in the regular season. They're gonna finish with like 106 points, 104 points, whatever. They're gonna be top three in the Atlantic. I do think, and, and even like for what it's worth, this whole thing of while well, Boston's ran away with it, it's like Boston's six points ahead, and you still have 75% of the the games to go. Yes, Boston has done a great job securing they have basically already made the playoffs, assuming they play 500 hockey. The division is not out of reach yet. No. Like, Boston's all but locked to make the playoffs and everything, but yeah, to say the division's secured is insane. Exactly. So, and like, obviously, Boston is the heavy favorite in the division. That's fine. But again, it's like, the regular season is not real, but... It does make me because even like so the, the whole thing of and it's a tough thing because I don't necessarily disagree with the logic, but you know, like Chris Johnson, I think, was on overdrive the other day and he was basically saying, Well, like, yeah, like the Leafs just to hope that they get like 905 goaltending and they'll be fine. And that is very true. Except for like how many times have we seen a team win a cup with 905 goaltending? Because <laughs> like last the, year, I was just and... saying the, the Avs. The okay, Hawks so did once. In 2010, right? Like with Niami, I think. Yeah. So you go, okay, so the Avs. Hmm, one of the best analytical rosters we've ever seen assembled. Yeah, maybe second or third to like, I think the Red Wings got bad goal. Yeah, I'm sure in like a, a 2010 Red Wings team or whatever, like a Pete yeah. Crosby team would be up there. And I'm sure one of the Lightning teams maybe as well, but like, like a, literally a top five team ever in the analytical era, so of the past 15 years, and a Chicago team that I bet you was up there too because they were loaded with stars because they had Kane and Taves on the rookie deals. They had Dustin Bufflin on the fourth line of that team, didn't they? Yeah, and Andrew Ladd was on that team, like, I'm pretty sure. Or... Ladd, there was like Chris Versteeg that was like a depth guy. Ladd, I think, was a depth yep, guy. Yeah, Ladd was on the was team. Like, guy. Exactly. So, like, again... Toronto's a good team. They're not this. You know, you need more than 905 goaltending. And again, I'm fine with the bet of like, well, we've seen Murray win a cup. So, you know, we're hoping he can give us a little more 905 for a two-week stretch. It's just this whole idea of like, oh, well, they just need average goaltending. Look at how good they were with 
bad goaltending last year, it's like, it's okay, but the regular season wasn't the problem last year. It was, once again, the playoffs. Now, their goalie did play better than Vasilevsky, and they still lost. Yeah, absolutely. But again, that's the thing. I don't. He played better over a seven-game series, but when it mattered, Vasilevsky let one goal over five periods of hockey. Yeah, that's true, too. And you would just make that bet that someone like Vasilevsky would do that more than Matt Murray, you know, like a hundred percent. Wow, look at uh, look at Petrozuli or whatever the hell his name is. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, he's exactly. money in the bank for a nine twenty. Exactly right. So, like, I don't. I, I'm still like none of this is really the season. The start of the season has not affected how I think of the regular season at all. Um, Which I think makes sense. I think the world would be a better place if people's opinions didn't change that much after 13 games. It really shouldn't, right? Like, I think the only time you can really, like, the Devils is a case of, like, I was definitely, I and, like, I wasn't low, low on the Devils, but I thought they'd be, like, a fringe playoff team. To me, it looks pretty clear the Devils are going to be a top three team in the Metro. Yeah, especially because, like, a lot of the stuff with the Devils was, like, is, like, foreseeable jumps, right? Yes, yeah, it's, like, because part of our pre- pre-season preview was, well, we think they're this, but if their players all make a jump, we could see this happen. Exactly. It's just you should never bet on a bunch of ifs. But, like, John Marino's been a legitimate top pair guy in the past. Um, he was more of, like, a four, him making that jump. Believable now that we've seen it. Uh, Nico Hishe is a first overall pick. Him making that jump? Like, it shouldn't be that, like, surprising, right? And same with, yeah. like, the idea of like Vegas too is like again, I think I was too low on Vegas going into the year because I wasn't sure both Petrangelo and Stone would be healthy. And oh man, and then Jack Eichel was a wild card too, and all three of those are hitting. Like exactly. It's like it's just the thing. You shouldn't bet because you've attached so many ifs, or like it's not necessarily likely. But once it's happened, it's like we have evidence of guys being who they have been in the past. Now it's not that unreasonable. And both these teams are going to go on a 10-game stretch where they're about 500, which is what the Leafs have done. And I don't think people are going to be like, oh, this team sucks, fire their GM. No one's going to care. Right? Like, so it's it just, it, it, yeah, I, the, my opinion of the Leafs hasn't changed much, but it has been really funny to watch the absolute meltdown that happens after every game. But th- that's always the case, too. That, that hasn't changed year to year either. Well, and the worst part is there was like, well... Because if the classic Leafs do poorly, somebody tweets and says, well, Tampa's doing worse. And they're like, well, Tampa deserves the benefit of the doubt, uh, which is fair. But like Florida's doing poorly. Like, I don't think the Avs were doing poorly last year before the they had won the six, Cup. Six and two. Yeah, like the Rangers are six, four and two. You can't just say this is concerning because the Leafs are doing it and then throw out every good team in the league because you have this hyper-specific context about the Leafs. Like, the Florida's been miserable failures in the playoffs, and they're in the same spot the Leafs are. Nobody cares. Exactly. So, um, I don't know if I really have too many other notes. Um, the Pacific looks really bad this year. It does. The Kraken look pretty good, though. It's wild the Pacific looks... Yeah, the Kraken do look pretty good. It's wild the Pacific, though, looks so bad with the Knights' resurgence. Because if you told me the Knights are competing for the President's Trophy, I would have been like, oh, maybe the Pacific's good. Yeah, the Flames have started really slow. That's what I mean. They're 5-4-2. and two. Yep. And they flamed out in the playoffs last year and have done so multiple times in recent memory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
But yeah, the Canucks are three, six, and three. The Ducks are four, eight, and one. The Sharks are three, eight, and three. It is uh this is gonna be an interesting tank battle at the bottom of that Pacific division, that's for sure. Yeah. The Blues are three and seven. They look right, they're minus sixty. They have a worse goal differential than the Arizona Coyotes. The shooting heater of all shooting heaters has completely collapsed in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, this is one that's like you are looking real good on that one. I mean, obviously it's still early too, but the, the Wild are five, five, and one. Like they got off to a slow start too. Um, but the Blues, that's one like they're on an L seven right now. Jeez. Yeah, and like they have again, they're a minus sixteen. The only teams with the worst goal differential in the league are the Ducks with a minus twenty two, and a, the Jackets with a minus twenty five, who also look atrocious. Yeah, the Jackets look really, really bad. What do you think Johnny Gaudreau is thinking right now? I mean, it was hard not to see this coming, right? <laughs> yeah. At I least, didn't think like... they'd be quite this bad, but, like, I didn't see them being better than, like, a 500 <laughs> team. Yeah, I figured it would probably be, like, next year that he's kicking himself, not immediately, but still. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's fair enough. There is a world where it's, like, they start 6-3 and three or whatever, and we have to – do the whole stupid song and dance of see they're chippy, they're chippy. Like, yeah, shut up. No, they're not. That team sucks too. I was watching them play Tampa in that state in the uh global series thing, or not Tampa, um, Colorado, and Colorado yeah. just kicked their ass, which makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't kind of somebody reposted like Dom's team chart of the Blue Jackets. I didn't realize quite how desolate it was because, like, you can talk yourself into some of the young guys if you just look at their cap-friendly page. But if you see his models estimates of a lot of the guys, and it's like, you have to recalibrate that any model that captures player value shows that line A isn't actually that good and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, there's a world where maybe everything hits and the high-end talent comes together, but that's, like, such a small percentage that we just shouldn't expect that. Exactly, and you can always talk yourselves into a guy like Line A, even though oh, yeah. overwhelmingly he's, he is who we thought he is, just a complete one-trick pony. Yeah, yeah. Struggling teams that I don't think should be too, too worried. Florida, they're fourth in expected goals of 57.49% right now. I'm assuming they just can't buy a save. Uh, the Flames are kind of in that boat, too. I think the Flames are like third in Corsi 4 and ninth in expected goals. It's not and Markstrom has been horrible this year. Um yeah, the, basically if you just sort by worst shooting percentage in the league, it's a who's who of quote unquote struggling contenders. Second last, you got the Avs. Uh fourth last is the Rangers, fifth last is the Leafs. There you go. That's like the trifecta of struggling teams. And exactly, right? And, and the Panthers are right up there too. That's gonna happen over a 10 game sample or 12 game sample, right? Yeah, the Blues are in dead last. Yeah, that's and then that seems about right. And again, we talk about the Blues struggling, and you know, I'm sure someone's asking, well, it's like, well, if you're giving the other teams a pass, but not the well, why are you not giving the Blues a path and pass? It's like, well, the Flames and them have been good teams for years that have underlying numbers to win when their shooting percentage isn't going that well. The Blues have just been a team relying on shooting percentage. If that dips, they're screwed. Yeah, even if that regresses towards average, they're still screwed. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, bottom state percentage in the league right now. Calgary's in sick, sick last. Uh, the Blue Jackets are in last. That probably shouldn't surprise anyone given their record. Um, yeah. Same with the Canucks. The Kings are down there. Um, the Wild are down there. They they really struggle as well. 
Um, the the only time I think you got to get to the Kraken or 25th, the Hurricanes 23rd, and the Devils 22nd for like teams doing good despite a bad save percentage. Which yeah, a hundred percent, a horrible goal is going to kill you in 12 games. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, again, I, I don't have too much more to say than that. It's been a a relatively quiet two weeks to open the season. I would say it has been. There's been like. I feel like none of the storylines have gotten too out of hand. I think Buffalo was like starting to push that, but yep. But they've did bad. They've lost two in a row now, and they're back to seven and five. But yep, Detroit is kind of they're they're gone on a W three. They're seven three and two in second in the Atlantic right now. Um, again, yeah, back to the Senators. They've disappointed to start this year. They're up two one against Vancouver right now, so they have the potential to be up to five and seven after tonight. But like. It's getting a hot, hot seat for DJ Smith. A hundred percent, which would infuriate me if I was him because their underlying numbers are like uncomfortably similar to Toronto's. Yeah, they're like tenth in both the yeah expected goals, and and it's weird too. Like I can't even really point, but like honestly, as someone who's watched every single game basically this year, it is frustrating. I think for DJ Smith because the team sucks defensively. And like just breaks down at the last second, but or uh, yeah, like in the last like three minutes they break down. But that's kind of on the coach too. Yeah, that's like a thing, like preparation and like not choking <laughs> makes sense as a coaching thing. Especially because the second Artem Zub got injured, which that's the other thing too is I feel like Sense fans probably aren't giving him enough slack in terms of uh, their number two defenseman in Artem Zub is out, and their number one, maybe arguably number two center in Josh Norris is out long term as well. I mean, really if you said that Morgan Rod- or like honestly, like, man, no, but we didn't say Morgan Riley, but like one of TJ Brody or Morgan Riley and John Tavares are out for the Leafs. At least probably get better with Riley defensively. <laughs> yes, that's true. But, but as a team, just yeah. in general, yeah. as a team, right? Especially because if the Leafs then it lost Morgan Riley and they put in the worst defender we have seen in a very long, like one of the worst defenders of the analytic era. For 20 minutes a night in his place. Yeah, it's only it's not a surprise why they're letting so many goals in uh the other way. A hundred percent. It's like the we've brought this up a couple times too. Like there is probably a certain threshold of defensive defense min quality you need before forwards even really matter. And if you wanted to argue the sends are below that right now, I would be like, yes, I a hundred percent believe you. Yeah, for sure. So it's one of those things where it's like I go back and forth because there is definitely some reasons, but also like I've never been, I never really believed that DJ Smith was the coach for this team long-term anyways. I don't think he's great at like, he, they, he loves to get the team dumping and chasing. That's not what they should be doing. They have the skill to bring the puck in over the blue line. They have the speed, they have the skill, they have the skaters to do it. Yet he still insists that they dump and chase half the time. Um, and then the insistent that's a playing tonight again he's been the worst player on the ice for like four games in a row and he still just gets ran out there for like 18 to 22 minutes a night it's like what the hell are we doing yes it's just horrible and he, he like looks bad too i don't even i don't get it yeah like i've said it millions of times like some guy like Austin Watson, the clear example of a guy why I understand people who are only going by the eye test, love him because it just looks like he's working hard. He's out there yep. blocking shots, he's like all over the ice, right? Like making hits and stuff like that. 
Zaitsev just, he doesn't have any of that. No, he can't clear a puck to save his life. Like No, he, he gets lost in his own end. He doesn't move anyone in front of, in front of the net. Yeah, like, like I said, and that, yeah, I just have so many visions of him just rimming the puck out. So when oh, you told me. Just blasting a shot down the ice for an ice hand, say, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. So when you tell me a guy like that tends to have bad defensive numbers, like, yeah, that, uh, that yeah, makes like, sense. No kidding. Exactly. Right. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on, on what happens with the next couple of games here. Um, and, and honestly, if the storylines pick up, because yeah, I, I would definitely agree that I think it's been less overreaction. Obviously, there's been a few teams in terms of like Toronto. And as you said, I think the other way, maybe like a Buffalo. Um, kind of thing, but it, it feels just generally there's been less like massive, massive storylines over the first two weeks of the season here. I think it helps that the easiest team to overreact to is the Devils, but like there's underlying structure there. So there's not even like usually a, when a team does what the Devils does out of nowhere, it's because they have like a 106 PDO and then it's this big fight online, whereas everybody's just kind of in agreement like, yeah, they're probably not this good, but the Devils are good. Yeah, exactly. They have like a Carter Hart level save percentage this year right now. Yeah. We're playing behind that Devils team. Or like it literally like what if it would be like if the Flyers were in the Devils position because Carter Hart put up a 980 instead of the 940 that he's dropped down to. And exactly. People are like, oh, the Flyers are really good. It's like, no, no, they're not. It's Carter Hart. Yeah. And then same with like the Bruins and Knights. Like the Knights are a little bit more of a surprise, but knowing that everybody's healthy. Not really a big shock that Jack Eichel and Mark Stone and company are really good. Yeah, like honestly, I think like a lot of people. I was honestly, I wasn't sure about the depth, and the depth does look better than I thought too. But you know, like I think if you told everyone, oh yeah, like Mark Stone's going to look again like Pete Mark Stone, and Petrangelo isn't going to be completely washed. People, I think everyone would be like, oh yeah, so Vegas will be top of the Pacific then. Like it'll be yeah. done in Calgary. And not only that, you know how they've had a big hole at 1C their entire uh, existence? Yeah, Jack Eichel's over a point per game and looks amazing. Well, Yeah, exactly. Jack Eichel's the player we all thought Jack Eichel could be if he just stays healthy. Yeah, with that information. Be like, yeah, they're probably going to be amazing. I have, uh, I'm pissed that Pinnacle canceled Futures <laughs> because I had a Devils over, a Bruins over, and a Knights over. That's tough. Man. That's a very tough balance. Yeah, that's and I had Knights to win the division. Man, yeah, that is a very, very tough balance. I was not um, happy with that. One other thing I don't think is being talked enough about, and it's simply just because this shows how good he is. Do you know how many points Connor McDavid's on pace for right now? God, isn't he like leading the uh, like the rocket race right now? Oh yeah, and the points race. Oh, is he on pace for like 150? More. God. Is he over he's two? On, he, not quite. He's on pace for 170 points. Oh, I meant, points. Oh, I meant yes, two he's points, over per, two game. points per game. He's at 27 points in 13 games, 13 goals, 14 assists. Jesus. He's on pace for 170 points. Seeing someone hit two points per game in a season would be sick. Yes, absolutely. Even like 150 would just be – it's just absurd to think about that that's even possible now. It is kind of absurd. What's even more absurd is this team is fourth in their own division and seven six and oh. Yeah, are they just getting like their backs blown out in net? Or is the oh yeah, uh, Stuart Skinner is already taking over the net. There's there was an article and it was clickbait, but there was an article saying 
how to get Jack Campbell back to the Maple Leafs yesterday because neither team, <laughs> the Oilers don't want him already. Which, wow. shocker, who could have seen that contract be a bad thing? Yeah, poor Campbell. Yeah, well, that's, people were kind of talking. That's sad. People were kind of talking about, like, is Edmonton really the market he should have gone to considering, like, how aggressively he put the weight of every loss in Toronto on his shoulders? Yeah. So but, it should be a pretty toxic market. Yeah. Well, placing how many points do you think Leon Dreisaitl is on pace for? Got to see over two points per game as well. Uh, he is just under two points per game. I uh, got about 25 points in 13 games for Dreisaitl, too, and they're still sucking. That's hilarious. On, on pace for 158 and 170 points, respectively. <laughs> and they would be missing the playoffs if it started today. Oh, sorry. Wonder- no, they would just sneak in because the uh, Central is absolutely poo as well. I assume this is mainly a function of the other two. We talked about Zach Hyman's over a point per game, too. What an amazing team. I love the Oilers. Oh, it's just insane. It is absolutely crazy. And, like, they're already talking about how they need, like, another left-handed defenseman to play, like, good defense. It's like, yeah, this is why you don't pay Darnell Nurse $9.5 million and have Tyson Berry as a $4.5 million luxury on a power play that has Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. <laughs> Yeah, it's also a tough look because, like, they were supposed to have good defensive prospects. Yeah, and they just, like, Evan Bouchard has looked like he's kind of pan. Like, Evan Bouchard's good, but the rest of them just didn't pan out. Fun fact, I uh, I wrote about uh, which teams are best at, like, exploiting the draft, and the Oilers came out as dead last. That's and, a shock uh, no one. Oh, I got one. This is overgeneralizing because it was literally one dude on Reddit, but he was very pissed off at me. And uh, looking at the team, I'm more and more confident in that result. The Oilers big thing is they haven't been able to develop a non-first overall or top 10 pick in the past 15 years. Yeah. So Granted, people seem to think because they developed Yamamoto into like a third-line player, that solved everything. But Yeah, when in reality, it's like picking in the first round with repetitively you better have a Yamamoto well that's the thing if Yamamoto is the highlight of your depth draft steals it's like what like you're you're in trouble you got a guy who's half a point a game and plays meaningful minutes with McDavid it's just yeah I yeah Edmonton is hilarious Um, that was the last thing I want to bring up though it's just it feels like people aren't talking about how disgusting Connor McDavid is this year and I think it's just because we're just so used to it it's sad that, like, it's something that people are used to that McDavid and Dreisaitl go off and the team sucks anyways. Yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, like, this team's not even, like, they're barely in a playoff spot right now. And it's only because the West is absolutely horrible. They're so lucky. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, I think that's it for me, unless you have anything else. Yeah, I'm good. As always, you can find my stuff at lastword.hockey.com. You can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. You can find Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66 and all his work at ActionNetwork.com. And he also made a Substack as well, which you can find uh, just on his Twitter. Again, CMHockey66. Uh, I saw you were posting some more draft stuff and looking through all the uh, buzzwords and key phrases, which were overrated and underrated. That was a really cool read. So definitely suggest people go check that out. And uh, we will talk to you all next week.